everyone, and welcome to New Consciousness Review. I'm Miriam Knight, and our guest is Dr. James Wanless, a former university professor of political science who is widely known as the creator of the best-selling Voyager Tarot intuition cards, one of the most popular decks in the world. In addition to being a best-selling author of many books, James is a noted keynote speaker, futurist, artist, and creativity consultant who teaches strategic goal-setting and innovation techniques to corporations and individuals worldwide. Today, we're going to explore how we can be personally self-sustaining as he teaches in his newest book, Sustainable Life, The New Success. James, welcome, welcome. Oh, thank you, Miriam. It's a pleasure to be here talking with you. I'm enjoying this already. (laughs) (laughs) James, you're an academic turned corporate consultant, and yet you're perhaps best known for your tarot deck and intuition cards. What is the main reason you were drawn to this type of symbolic representation over conventional psychological exploration? Wow, that <laughs> how long do we have here? Because, you know, I, I did start out teaching political science, and then I went to, uh, I'll give you the short story, I went to India. And India, I got very sick, hepatitis, so I had to save myself, so I went to a Tibetan Buddhist monastery and kind of got into the spiritual world and meditation. But then I had to kind of, like, pay the rent, you know, I had to uh, take care of myself financially. And one day I had a tarot reading, and I thought, wow, this is really hot stuff. This is great medicine. It empowers people uh, if it's done in a particular kind of way, an empowerment, empowerment way. And I just fell in love with it and just started. This was 1978 and never looked back. And so I, here I am today continuing on with this. I love it. Um. And But you still use the more conventional workshop techniques in your uh, consulting work, don't you? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm not uh, too woo-woo, frankly. <laughs> Tarot is already woo-woo enough. No, I'm, I'm a Taurus. I think I'm very down-to-earth. But you know what? In the, in the corporate world, I bring the cards in for creativity, for a catalyst for new thinking and also for, you know, just brainstorming, but also for team building, uh, breaking people into groups, picking cards and all that. So it's an incredible tool. And it really has nothing to do with some kind of fortune telling, none of that kind of stuff. So it's a very um, a surprising tool because people are surprised by the cards. And neuroscience tells us these days when you're surprised by something, you remember it. It actually has impact on you and you might even make a change. What a deal. Mm-hmm. So do you think that when people use these cards, they are simply using them to access their own intuition or are they tapping into a greater field somehow? Uh, Probably both. I'm a big both and person. I'm not at all into either or. It's this or that. I just think that is way old thinking. So, yes, we have this natural intuitive genius um, and you know, everything's a vibration and everything just doesn't go away. It transforms itself. It goes somewhere. That's what you're talking about. I think this field, um, you know, in the, in the ethers. And yes, we tap into that. Hey, I, I, I'll just say basically yes to everything. We use it all, hopefully. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> You're going to say yes to everything. Mm-hmm, I will keep that in mind. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there's a wonderful, um, there's a book I read, and it, it used to call it the science of good luck. Uh, I'm not sure it's really good science, but... Um, it is true that lucky people are people who basically say yes, yes to life and yes to opportunities, even though they might seem a little weird or I don't know. Continue to say yes and good things happen. You know, it's interesting. As I was reading your book, I was thinking, my goodness, this is a man who has lived life because you seem to have drawn together all the bits and pieces of wisdom from every aspect of living and just poured them into this book. What was your intention behind the book? Uh, My own life. (laughs) You know, I think mostly authors and anybody who creates come from their own experience. And so a few years ago, Miriam, I was uh, 65. And, oh, my God, maybe I'm supposed to retire That's kind of a bogus concept. It's about refiring, not retiring. And so uh, I wanted to live a long time. Like my dad lived to 99. I'm thinking, God, how can I do that? And so the whole theme of being able to not just survive, but sustain, which to me means to live long and live well and healthy and happy and all of those kind of things, how to do that. And so thus began my research into this practice and process and path. And hence, now we have my sustained cards and the sustainable life book. So it came out of my own life, basically. Well, so many people are reaching uh, that certain age, you know, between 55 and 65 and realizing that they will never be able to afford to retire. (laughs) And, you know, even, even if they could, they probably wouldn't want to because they would get bored to tears. So that's one of the wonderful things about this book, when you talk about reing yourself. Mm. Expand mm. on that. Yeah, when you say re, my favorite word in modern English language is re, R-E, to be able to re your life. I think that's the holy grail of today, which is to be able to renew, reinvent, restart, restore, rejuvenate, relove, <laughs> repurpose. I mean, you could put re in front of every word and it's so apt for today's life because we have to keep going. We just, we're not going to crap out. I mean, hey, we live to 80, 90 now when, uh, you know, 100 years ago, we lived to 50. And so we just can't go away. We have to keep on living, but at a high standard. So we have to learn how to do this re thing. And that's where my research, research comes into play. So what, let's talk about some of the important elements in reing yourself. Yeah. Well, the number one thing is, To re ourselves, we have to do it holistically. And I think that's kind of maybe a boring word and overused, but it is so true. So it's not just uh, restoring your income or doing something uh, to your relationship, all that's good stuff. But it's it's reing yourself. And by that, I mean your heart, your emotions, your mind, your body. 
your spirit so that we have what we call synergy, which is your entire self working in unison. And when you have synergy, you've got the juice. And that's what keeps us reading our lives. So the, the major thing is how to, how to stay up mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. Well, that is a tall order for, for some, so many of us who have been really kind of beaten down by, uh, by life, by the news, by the environment, by, uh, mm-hmm. you know, despair. So how do you keep so positive? Don't look at the news. <laughs> <laughs> well, and which is a no. But, you know, a lot of times back to that yes concept, when you say no to something which depletes us, and it's toxic, actually, to look at this negativity we're surrounded by. Saying no to that, I'm not watching that, I'm not reading that, I'm not going there, is really saying yes. Saying yes to your own health of mind, your own health of, of, of yourself. So uh, we do have to walk away from things and realize what is really poisonous or toxic to us. Because that'll take us down. And that's not the path we want to be taking. Mm-hmm. What brought you to this appreciation of the the holistic aspect of life, the interconnectedness of all things? Yeah, that's a uh, that is really cool uh, question. Thanks, Miriam. Um, you know, that's the essence of the tarot, and at least the way I see it, the tarot uh, cards. Every deck, if it's a classic throw in a way, has four suits of cards. One suit for the mental, another for the emotional, another for the physical and worldly, and another for the spiritual. And so the tarot is a natural, holistic map of the human psyche. And so I began just seeing life completely from that holistic point of view. And I don't think, if you, if you don't do that, Instead of synergy, you have what I call energy. <laughs> energy is kind of the exponential decrease of your personal power uh, and energy. So tarot was a real, real great breakthrough for me psychologically and emotionally. Hmm. I, I have to admit I know very little about the tarot. Uh, tell us about the Voyager tarot that you're so well known for and and how does that differ from the sustain yourself cards oh thank you yeah um voyager tarot is a deck for maybe some of your listeners who don't know came out in um, 1985 so it's been around a while um and i wanted to create a tarot deck that was multicultural multiracial multi-ethnic multi-dimensional um, I'm kind of a multi-man, I guess, because I looked at a lot of the classic old tarot decks and I thought, wow, this is interesting and old. I am not a big fan of the medieval stuff of swords and blood and kings and queens. I said, all oh, that's got to go. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is basically the 21st century. Come on. Um, so I just dumped all that, uh, what I think is archaic, obsolete, and uh, dysfunctional symbolism, and tried to bring Voyager Tarot into the 21st century without, without sacrificing the wonderful structure and a lot of the essential universal life principles that are embodied in that. So uh, that's kind of Voyager Tarot, and, and, and I don't know if you've seen it, but it's a collage deck before Photoshop, so... I bring in imagery, symbolic imagery from all over the world, from ancient Africa to modern America, and probably everything in between. Hmm. 
You're an artist as well, aren't you? Well, my Sustain Yourself cards is, is a collage deck that I created. The, the Voyager I did with another artist, which is very refined collage art. I, with my new Sustain Yourself cards, um, it's much simpler. I did not try and make it an art deck per se, which I think Voyager is, mm-hmm. um, but basically an educational tarot. I mean, a lot of us are so nature phobic or nature ignorant, I would say, and the sustain yourself. And to me, the whole sustainability model is based upon nature. Nature knows how to sustain and re, re, renew itself again and again. So what a great teacher we have in the natural world. Yes, we're, we're definitely going to explore that. I just want to tell our listeners that if you've just joined us, this is New Consciousness Review, and we are chatting with James Wanless about his book, Sustainable Life, The New Success. Why, uh, why do you think nature is such a good role model for us? What, what can, I mean, we, we have this notion of fang and tooth you know, survival of the fittest, and you're actually painting a rather different picture of nature. Oh, absolutely. I, I just think there's a complete distortion of Darwin and the, and the survival of the fittest, and he never even talked about that re- regarding human nature and human society. But anyway, um, moving on from that, the, all the news research has shown that nature is far more collaborative, far more cooperative than it is competitive. I mean, even if we look at our own bodies, I mean, we are a collaboration of trillions of cells, most of which are bacteria, by the way, and 90% of them are nature and not even human, by the way. So, I mean, it's, you know, it's a whole different model of an, a collaborative, cooperative world. And, 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 and nature is a paragon of, of business. I mean, if we, you know, business, the essence of business, I think, is the creation, production, and distribution of goods and services. Well, that's what nature does from moment to moment, the way it grows itself, creates itself, creates flowers, seeds, fruit, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's nature. And nature, Gaia Inc., I call it, Mother Nature, knows how to do this. And, and, and then when we look at relationships, and we live in a world of, you know, Miriam, of incredible diversity today, nature, through its ecosystems, knows how to connect all these different elements, like even fire and water, which don't particularly get along, and so on and so forth, to cooperate into a, an ecosystem that actually works, but that doesn't just work, work once or one off, but continues to work again and again and again to re. So nature knows how to do um, economics, business, creativity, relationships, and all that kind of stuff over and over again. And, and you know, it's, it's such an unfortunate thing that most of us think we are not so natural, natural anymore. We're, we're so different. The truth is we are not, you know. And so my whole deal is, look, we are natural. This doesn't mean go back to the jungle or go back to, you don't have to live on the land to do that. I'm an urban green man if you will. But basically, it's trying to live by the universal laws and principles of the ecosystem and environment. Mm -hmm. Yes, I mean, if you look at grazing herds, for example, Mm -hmm. they'll graze an area and then they'll move on so that the area can recover. Whereas we plant ourselves so we don't have that model to to follow. So we have to, to invent for ourselves new models 
of sustainability. I, I love the way that you're looking at this kind of regenerative model for mm-hmm. different aspects of our life. Mm-hmm. Let, let's, let's talk about some of the social aspects. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, one of the things that we forget a lot of times is in this me age, <laughs> it's all about me, you know, um, and we get a little bit alienated, a lot of us, I think, from our, our society, our, uh, our political systems, from our community, from our neighbors even, you know, and that's an unsustainable uh, system to me because we are all products of a social, cultural life that we do live in, um, and if that's gone funky, awry, then we're at risk. You know, in America, it shocked me two years ago and made all the headlines of every newspaper, I believe. One out of four Americans have nobody to talk to. Now, if 25% of our people are not really in connection, relationship, even communication with another, uh, that's a problem. I, I, I just don't think we're, we're going down the right road. So, I mean, one of the things to be sustainable ourselves is to be an activist in the sense of contribute to the world. Contribute to your apartment complex or contribute to your town or contribute in any way, shape or form to the world around us. Because we don't do that. Uh, we're toast, basically. That's an astonishing statistic that one out of four people has no one to talk to. Correct. Uh, It's really mind-boggling because I I think that loneliness is one of the most devastating Mm. um, things to our health, really. Oh, you hit that. You nailed that one, Miriam, because in in doing the research for the Sustainable Life book, um, I've done a lot of study of the longevity studies. I mean, and there's a lot of longevity studies out there, and and they all agree on this. They all agree on this, that the number one reason or the number one criterion for living long and living well is having friends. Connection, Mm -hmm. connection, social connection is absolutely imperative. And this is why some people suggest that men die earlier than women. You know, men, we men are not great socializers, honestly. (laughs) You know, every relationship I've ever been in, it was my girlfriend who would, you know, make the connections. And, oh, where are we going to, what are we going to do this weekend, honey? Well, we're going to go meet these people. Go, I mean, you know, guys are not the best at initiating social relationships. And I think we do uh, die alone and lonely, for sure. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) us poor guys right (laughs) gosh but but you're you're the the green man the epitome of the the modern man Uh, tell us about the green man archetype actually oh i love these questions (laughs) Uh, well green man is a you know what sonic you mean miriam a lot of people don't know about green man who's a mythic a character that goes way back in time. I mean, way back in time. But we know the Green Man primarily through the European kind of Celtic or Druid kind of rendition of the Vine King. This is this guy who every spring is reborn. It's a spring god. It's a resurrection god. It's an eternal renewal mythic god, if you will. 
and sometimes is associated with pan. This can be a wild man, a party man, you know, those kinds of features. But ultimately, at the deepest level, it's that quality represented in all of us, men and women, that we can resurrect ourselves or regenerate, rejuvenate, and re ourselves. And, you know, it's so funny when, like, as I say, when I was 65 a few years ago, I was kind of getting desperate. And I got to tell you, I, I don't admit this too often, but I wrote a letter on my Mac to Green Man. I said, you know, like, ready, instead of Santa, I said, dear Green Man. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what I didn't know what was going to happen out of that. I just said, dear Green Man, I'm getting old and I don't like it. What can I do? And I, I typed that out. And immediately, all of a sudden, I just got this flood of information. Now, I don't know whether it comes from some force field or something in me. I, I don't really get too intellectual about that. The point is, I got all sorts of information from this legendary green man, which goes back to ancient Egypt. If you look at the god Osiris, who's always green, I mean, this is like five, five, 10,000 years and probably way beyond that because we all want to live long and live long and live long. So this is that quality in us that wants to do it. So we can call upon this mythic character, I think, to download some really vital information. If I'm not mistaken, you're actually working on a book called My Mythic Mentor, Adventures with the Green Man, correct? Yeah, actually, I'm trying to get a publisher. <laughs> uh-huh. I, I, I'm very creative. I mean, the downside, you know, every, every, there's a downside and upside to everything. And if you're a creative individual like I am, and I'm very recreative as well, um, it doesn't mean that you can do everything. So, yeah, I write. I mean, I wrote this manuscript. This is fabulous. I mean, I, I, Green Man became my, uh, my coach. My mythic mentor several years ago after I taught, you know, wrote this letter. So I would ask Green Man a, a, a question and it would go out in the ethers and come back to me. And the Green Man would say, Oh, well, go find your cave or something like that. And I'd go out and do it. And so I basically journaled about that and wrote that up. And so, yeah, I've got this book in a, in a ready state. Now all I have to do is get it out there. That's all. <laughs> It's interesting. You say he, uh, Green Man said, "Go find your cave." You have a, a bit in in the book uh, "Sustainable Life" about um, the importance of one's home. Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, I, and I, and I kind of like what Carl Jung, the great psychologist, said, who actually has a wonderful Green Man book that I didn't even know about. It called "The, the Soul of Nature," and and there's Carl Jung, you know, looking out in nature, thinking about the the soul of nature. Of course, he's in his suit, but you know, it's, it's kind of the, the old world, um, here, but you know, the, the, the point is, what was the question again? Let me get this, uh, home. Carl Cave, Jung. home. Oh yeah. So what Carl Jung said, thank you for reminding me. Um, Carl Jung said that the most important thing in life is to find your place. Find your place on the planet. And that's going back to your home, your cave, your town, your city, all of those things. Because if you're out of place, um, you're out of sorts. Basically, you are out of balance. And the one thing about nature as a teacher is nature teaches us balance. I don't think balance is the sexiest of words, but it's the truest and the most important of all the concepts is to live a balanced life. And boy, without being at home or a sense of home, 
you're naturally going to be out of balance and everything else will be out of balance. So it's fundamental, fundamental to find your cave, which I did. (laughs) And it's not it's not just, you know, where you hang your hat. It's also kind of a, a rooted place where you have your connections, right? Oh, yeah, clearly, clearly. Now, I, but it's funny in today's world, Miriam, that I think a lot of where our connections and our roots and our home are found is online. I mean, <laughs> for a lot of people, Facebook is home. <laughs> you know, <laughs> But I don't, people get all weirded out by all of that. And I think, well, yeah, I can understand their point, no doubt. But if you get a feeling of connection, a feeling of homeness, a feeling of relationship and all that, whether it's through online or whatever, to me, it doesn't make that much difference. It's the feeling that counts. That That's really interesting. I, I got a sense of what Facebook was all about a couple of weeks ago when <laughs> it was my birthday and I spent my birthday in hospital with my husband having an, an operation. Oh. And I got home kind of, as you might imagine, despondent. And I turned on the computer and there were hundreds of birthday wishes. And it it just suddenly, you know, just just made me feel uh, cared about. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even if you're only a click away. I mean, you know, I mean, basically all a person had to do on Facebook, right, was click. Uh, well, Miriam's birthday, click happy birthday to her. And it's kind of an automated thing for some people. Other people write notes. But you're absolutely true, correct. You have a community there that you would not have otherwise, I guarantee, you know. So I'm, I'm, I'm all in favor of it, even though people suggest, oh, blah, 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 whatever, you know. Well, it's interesting that Barbara Marks Hubbard called the Internet the the. Uh, nervous system of the planet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's uh, another way of connecting. I, I think we're entering a time when we are going to be redefining, reinventing, <laughs> I'm using your word re, um, for ourselves more and more. And, and the old definitions are just inadequate and we're being forced to redefine ourselves. Uh, I, yeah, I, I, forced to redefine ourselves. I think that's one of the great uh, waves of revolution that's going on in today's world. Because if you stay set in a in a self definition and a self identity that's the same old, same old, same old over time, you get old. I mean, repetition kills. And in today's world of change, 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 if we're not changing, evolving, transforming, and accessing all of our multiple dimensions and identities, then we are not sustainable. Sustainability is an ability. And that is one of the great sustainabilities is, as you are suggesting, I totally agree, is redefining ourselves and becoming all that we can be, which is there's a lot to us that we don't even uh, tap into. But I think in today's world, it is imperative, as you say. You mentioned in your book and and earlier that you went through kind of a, a wrenching Time. Mm-hmm. Uh, what of your sustain abilities did you find most helpful, most useful in getting through that? Uh, you know, I think one of the things is definitely having a coach. 
You know, so many people have coaches they pay for, or people belong to various kinds of support groups, anonymous groups or whatever kind of group, you know, and women certainly have their goddess groups and their women's empowerment groups and circles, all of that. I, I, I just think that is so, you've got to have a group. I mean, it's hard to make, I, I knew I had to make changes. Okay. I knew I was getting old. I was getting bored. I was getting stagnant. I was just crapping out. Okay. Um, so we, but it's hard to make a change by yourself and alone. So you do need some kind of support group. Even the Buddha said, look, we all have our path to enlightenment, but we all need our Sangha. Our Sangha is our support group. And frankly, um, not only did I find it in some friends, and even Facebook friends. But, you know, I really found it with my mythic mentor, with Green Man, I must say. It's like whatever works, but it's just so important to reach out and find your tribe. Because, you know, in the old days, we used to depend upon family, right? Oh, oh, my dad or my mom or my sister or whatever would help me out or my kids would help me out. Well, you know, family structures are kind of somewhat little non-existent, in many cases dysfunctional. So we can't depend upon that anymore as our support group. So we have to create our own tribes, our own extended families. And I think that's what the modern media is really, really good for. And did you know, by the way, now for the first time in, in our history, modern history, that more people are dating and finding, uh, you know, partners online than in person. We finally went over that 50% uh, mark. So most of our dating is online. How about that? Wow. <laughs> that is a wow. I, I remember it wasn't very, maybe a couple of years ago, when more digital books were sold on Amazon than print books. So that was kind of one major transition but this this dating thing is is fascinating. Yeah, it, it, yeah, that's a really great, interesting thing about the ebook world. And you know, it, it's you bring up another thing about um, a lot of us uh, have books in us. I can't tell you, Miriam, the number of readings I've done for people who want to write their book, and I would say ninety percent of them don't do it for one reason or another. But even those who do write the book, it's okay. So how do I get anybody to read it? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, 350,000 books in print and e-print, uh, e-books were, were done last year. 350,000. How does anybody get attention in this world? anymore that's the most vexing part because we we are so creative but how can we sustain ourselves by writing a book or writing blocks anymore that is really difficult that is of course one of the motivations behind new consciousness review but i won't put too fine a point on it <laughs> <laughs> well, why not come on <laughs> no really um as you say there are so many books being published um, we're, we've carved out a niche for ourselves that we call new consciousness. And it's basically books that enable personal growth, uh, mm -hmm. enable the, the redefinition of ourselves as a common humanity instead of as our insular, uh, beings. And we kind of level the playing field for people who are self-published or digitally published. And, um, and and did you, Miriam? May I interrupt you for a second? Didn't you win an award at the uh, 
the INATS show in Denver recently? <laughs> yes, we, we won two awards. We, we uh, won the best newsletter and we're the first runner-up for the best website. Wow. <laughs> That's brilliant. Uh-huh. Thank you for remembering. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We love that. You know, we need to remember ourselves. You know, I love what Plato once said. Plato said, you know, the path to enlightenment is not by new ahas, basically. It's by an amnesia. An amnesia. I'm like, oh, my God, what the hell? How do you even spell an amnesia? But basically, it's the process of re-re-remembering ourselves so we're not into amnesia but we are into memor- remembering ourselves which is to remember to become whole again because it's all in us we just get you know down these different alleyways these uh dead ends basically that takes us to a dead end and we die which is the dead end of seeing ourselves in a set way and not redefining and retapping all of our brilliant co- qualities um. If you've just joined us, you're listening to New Consciousness Review, and we're chatting with James Wanless about his book, Sustainable Life. James, where do you expect that society is headed? Do you think that we're going to turn ourselves around, or is it downhill from here? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's great, man. I, I, I definitely get into those dark places, <laughs> you know, which, when I look at our, particularly our American society, and uh, it, it's funny, I, you know, I work a lot in Asia now, in China, and I think, wow, this is a mobilized society. I mean, I love working in China. Really? I mean, and I do a lot of work there because they're really interested in Western mysticism. And they're all young. They're all creative, alert, alive, and they do things, you know. So, Do you speak Chinese? Uh, no, I have a translator. You know, oh. you always have a translator, which is very, very easy um, to do. But it's kind of, for me, that's kind of the new hope or the new world in, um, in a way. But, you know, I think. Maybe what we need, Miriam, to really refine our way um, and to rebalance our lives, it may take a, a, another 9-11, but of a, even a much, much larger kind of environmental uh, disaster cataclysm to happen. I hate to say that, but, you know, in the, ta- in the, in the tarot, there's a card called the tower. And the tower is when things all come tumbling down. Like the 9-11 thing that happened in New York City. Okay, that changed a lot of things. But when our environment comes screaming to a halt or warming or this or that or whatever, oh, my, uh, which, you know, might, in fact, be too late, frankly, for technology to catch up with that. But that is the big, big uh, change of revolution. And sometimes maybe we need that kind of thing to get back to uh, the right way of living. Maybe we need that. I don't want that, but maybe so. I was just reminded of London during the Blitz in World War II. When you speak to Londoners of who were around at that age, at that time, they speak of it, you know, having survived, um, <clears throat> almost as the, one of the best times in their lives because it was a time when everybody felt connected, part of the same... You know, we're in this together, and they had a job to do. They had a purpose in life. 
Right. right. It's really fascinating. But I, I, I want to get back to China. Yeah, uh, sure. Tell me about this kind of mystic awakening that you're finding there. Well, you know, I mean, they've taken, they've basically taken care of enough of their survival needs, you know. So there's a large middle class, probably. The middle class of China is probably bigger than all of America, you know. But the point is, is that they don't have to worry too much about the basic survival stuff or being imprisoned for every little word they say during the Red Revolution and all that stuff. So they have a a certain amount of freedom, although you can't get on Facebook there. But, you know, so now they're turning their lives towards higher values and higher interests, like what's the meaning of life and why am I here and how can I live my destiny and all those kinds of great, great questions that take people on the path, on the path of evolution, um, the path of redefinition of themselves. So that's kind of where they are in life. And so they're looking for, you know, people, uh, techniques, tools that will help them do that. And it's it's funny to me, however, given that China has the I Ching and has all sorts of incredible oracular esoteric tools that they really find the tarot and Western mysticism to be incredibly popular. It's quite mm-hmm. fascinating. Well, they said there's no prophet in his own country. Ah. Ooh, don't don't bring up that. <laughs> you know that is just so true. I mean, it does does familiarity breed contempt or something like that? Just because somebody knows you, they know that you have a wart here or a pimple there or whatever, you know, and they completely kind of uh, diss you. Uh, but you're right. A prophecy, uh, prophet is without honor in their own land. And, uh, and I work, uh, even in Holland a lot. I mean, my, my international work has been far more successful probably than, than America. Um, and that's just the way it is. <laughs> Maybe always will be weird, but true. I suppose there's that kind of touch of the exotic when somebody comes across i know americans always love an english accent and or or foreign accents oh absolutely women fall in love with these english guys <laughs> what's up with that <laughs> yeah and i think because i'm pretty popular in asia because i'm very open and i'm very friendly and i'm very humorous and very natural i'm not stiff i don't have a lot of airs I think I have something to say. So they can they can relate to me. I mean, yeah, I'm still foreign, absolutely, but I'm accessible, mm-hmm. and, and that really works there. What do you think is their attitude towards Americans and America? Uh, you know, I, I really, I, I got to tell you, I, mean, I really don't have a lot of discussions about that. I think America is still greatly admired, greatly admired for who we've been the last 50, 75 years or whatever. And so I think America still is in in Asia. I'm not talking the Middle East anymore. In Asia is still in really good, uh, is well seen. And, and, you know, we're really admired and respected. So, um, yeah, it works. It does work. Do you, do you get the sense that they are starting to define themselves on a more global scale, or are they still um, Chinese wanting to learn from outsiders, but still um, defining themselves as, uh, 
Well, mm. I have no idea how they would define themselves, actually. Yeah, no, that, that's mm. uh, a question I really haven't even asked myself. Oh, I love this. Uh, <laughs> I think they're still um, quite patriotic. I mean, I still think they're trying to create a China that is a great China and not too concerned about, you know, being a global citizen at this point. Um, it's really more about themselves, China becoming this great China more than anything else, I would think, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. Well, that kind of brings us back to your book, which is which talks about being the best you you can be. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, I think that the way that we're going to survive and sustain, which sustainability means to be truly successful, and to be successful in today's world means to be healthy and to be happy and to be wealthy enough, wealthy enough, <laughs> and holy, have some kind of spiritual perspective, and whole for a long time. And so, And that, that changes the name of the game. And, you know, in the old days, uh, Miriam, like, 25, 50 years ago, if you were successful in a corporation or a job, you probably stayed in that job or successful forever until you retired. And if you were successful in a relationship or marriage, you probably stayed married until 50 years or whatever, like my parents did. In today's world, that is just simply not true. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you, it, we change so much. Relationships change. All that's changing. So sustainability has changed the game. Um, of life here. And so where am I going with this, uh, this question that you asked? (laughs) 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 I mean, I mean, people, I got to tell you, people say, I don't think a lot of people understand what I'm talking about, about self-sustainability. I don't think it's an attractive word. Um, you know, I could have called my new cards green wisdom and all that. And people probably would have understood, but it is about to be sustainable. And all that that entails um, here, and it is a kind of a revolutionary concept for people. And I'm having the hardest time I'm having with the book and with my cards is trying to educate people to what the heck am I talking about here, <laughs> you know? Because uh, I think most people think of sustainability as an only an environmental thing, which surely it is. But we are the, the number one environment in our lives is ourselves. We are an environment. We are a complete ecosystem unto ourselves. And how do we take care of our own ecology and our own environment, how it's related to the bigger environment that we live in? Yes, I, I think you, you sort of define uh, the basics that we need for our own nourishment as including things like you know, a, a home, your your cave, a relationship, a right. good health, good walk, right. sleep, and so on and so forth, and and interest in life and joy in life. Oh, absolutely! Interest is way big, and and you know, I think just there's some great combinations because I work on a holistic way. You know, great connection between body and mind. We hear a lot about that, but it sounds good, but. Tell me something specific. And I, the neuroscience, which I follow kind of religiously in a way, because I think it's interesting. Um, you know, if you go for a walk three days a week, half an hour at a time, walk fast, breathe hard, you grow new brain cells. 
I mean, you stay young mentally by moving your body and breathing. You know, this is not rocket science. And now we find in America sedentary behavior disorder and internet, internet behavior disorder because we're sitting around all the time. We'll kind of get off our butt and don't live in the butt, get off our butt, move and breathe. And we take care of our mind. And I think when I want to learn, you know, get inspired by something, I breathe. I mean, breathing in is prana. It is new life. Breath is the key to life. It is the fountain of youth. It's breath, movement, exercise, the body. But people think it's hard. It's work and all that. Cells love it. The trillions of our cells get off on movement and exercise. I sit here at a computer now talking to you. I don't even sit on a chair. I don't even have chairs in my home. It's either on the floor or I sit on these big bouncing balls so I can bounce around. And boy, (laughs) does that keep your cells moving and keep you active. Ooh, don't get me started on this. (laughs) I I think I could have told you were bouncing around just from your voice. (laughs) But, you know, it's it's sad that we're always looking for a quick fix and we don't want to put the effort that it takes to reap the reward we want it handed to us on a platter and yet without getting out and moving without making the effort to connect socially to invite other people to volunteer to whatever um, we don't reap those rewards. I mean, how many uh, gym memberships go unclaimed, <laughs> unused? Tell me about it. <laughs> you know, the first thing Green Man ever told me uh, when I started channeling him or whatever you want to call it was get outside and go for a walk in nature. Mm. And now, I, you know, honestly, right now I'm looking in front of me at this AARP bulletin, which is, you know, for people over 55 or whatever, millions of us. And it, the front cover of it says the only exercise you'll ever need, walking. Yes. yes. <laughs> and I would say walking and breathing, by the way. And that's true. So I'm big on an energy diet and not pill diets and not all these other kind of diets. I'm just, come on, get into the energy. And that's, you know, it's an elemental energy diet. I would just add one thing, which is laughing. Uh. (laughs) So, James, tell us about your websites. How do people find out more about you? Well, I have one that's the classic one, which is the Voyager Tarot, my deck of cards, VoyagerTarot.com. Okay. But then I have another one, SustainYourselfCards.com. Sustain Yourself Cards is my new deck, so that's SustainYourselfCards.com. And then another one, um, which is called, um, oh, God, I got so many websites, you know. <laughs> but those, those two are the ones that will um, get you to whatever kind of work uh, I do. You know, are you teaching any classes online? Uh, I, I, I'm on and off with that kind of stuff. I, I, you know, it, it, technology can be very vexing. You think I should do this? And how would I do this, Miriam? Mm, we can talk about this. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have I have a lot of online courses. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, particularly with the Voyager Tarot, and I'm just starting up now with the uh, the Sustainable Life online course and a, a, a support group kind of thing for that as well. Because we need that. We need that. Yeah. You 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 said as much. You said we need to find mentors and support groups. Right. So people listen to James. He's lived a long <laughs> life and knows what he's about. 
thank you. <laughs> so, do you have any fun? And, and, and Miriam, I love to laugh, and you know that is, you know, babies laugh five hundred times a day, and babies grow pretty fast. So I'm thinking, wow, what's a good model for growing and growing fast and keep growing is babies, and babies laugh so and even cry. Babies are emotional, so ex- emotional expression, emotional fitness is one of my biggest, biggest exercises and practices. Emotional fitness for life. I, I might just point out that at the back of your book, you give a whole worksheet, lists of worksheets, uh, yeah. exercises that people can do to really, there, it's a guide for self contemplation, right? Yeah, the sustainability gym. And I like that. It's a lot. It goes through the mental and the emotional, the physical and the spiritual, your work and all of that. And, you know, I'm really big on uh, right livelihood, which is sustainable work, particularly for all these boomers out there that who need to reboom. Uh, you know, their lives is really finding right livelihood when your work is your path, your spiritual path, your passion, your play, your profession and your profits. And when you have all that in sync and unified, you you can rework and work and work until you croak. That's my (laughs) plan. (laughs) What a perfect note to close our... (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Well, we've been speaking with James Wanless about his book, Sustainable Life, The New Success, and his card deck, Sustain Yourself. James, thank you so much for being with us today. Well, thank you for this great discussion. I love your questions, Miriam. Really good. Thank you. Thanks. Goodbye. Goodbye. Our guest next week will be Billy Sharp talking about her very useful new book, Lemons and Lavender, The Eco Guide to Better Homekeeping. Now we're going to close the show with our track of the week by Kaya, a Canadian Grammy Award winning singer-songwriter turned spiritual teacher. This track is called What is Human from his album Born Under a Star of Change.
his website kayadreams.com that's k-a-y-a-d-r-e-a-m-s.com you know you can now download our mobile app and listen to all the interviews from ncr radio you'll find the link on our website at ncreview.com where you can also scan the qr code right to your phone your iphone or your android as a bonus the app has two other tabs for the latest books and videos on our site If you enjoyed our show, why don't you join our free community of creative thinkers and inspiring authors at ncreview.com. The website is a great resource for books and films that are inspirational and informative and a great place to connect with like-minded spirits. Also, if you have any comments on the show, I'd love to hear from you. You can send me an email to miriam at ncreview.com or leave a comment on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash ncreview. Well, that wraps it up for today. So until next week, I'm Miriam Knight for New Consciousness Review. Thank you for listening. Goodbye.